0: Hi, writers. This is Jim Thayer. This is the second podcast in a series on how to write fiction, both novels and short stories. I'm the author of 14 novels, and I've taught fiction writing at the University of Washington Extension School for many years. I'm also the author of The Essential Guide to Writing a Novel, the second edition of which is out now. How can we launch ourselves into our novel? How do we get ourselves going? Let's talk today about organizing ourselves to start the project. Something many writers do is to draft a plan, a a timetable. A plan setting forth our time schedule for initiating the phases of the work might organize and prod you, and it might increase the odds you complete the novel. Some writers think that the more extensive the plan, the more likely it'll aid them in getting started and moving along with the novel. Others, myself included, a detailed plan is too easy to fall behind and then discard, uh, usually in frustration. But if you're thinking of a plan, try something like this. It's uh, sparse and flexible. Initial plotting one or two weeks, research and further plotting, four to six weeks, drafting an outline, two to three weeks, writing the novel, a page a day. Now, this presumes you're employed or uh, go to school or are managing a family. Therefore, you'll get a chapter every two weeks or so, and you'll finish the novel at the end of a year after starting the manuscript's first word, and then editing the completed manuscript, one chapter every day or two, for about a month. This is a a schedule that's meant to be fooled around with, but it gives you an idea of something I look at. A schedule will uh, prompt you to steadily produce words. It might, uh, when the undertaking at times seems A long way away and overwhelming, it might offer a liberation date. Let's talk about an outline for the project. Explaining one of the reasons why 11 years passed between Bonfire of the Vanities and A Man in Full, Tom Wolfe said, I always recommend to people who ask me for helpful hints on writing that they start with an outline. Naturally, I didn't take my own advice and do an outline until I was years into this project. You ever been lost in a forest? I was once for about 30 seconds. The fear is palpable, and it's a physical impre- uh, presence that invades you when you realize you have no idea which direction to travel. I remember it. this happened 25 years ago, and I I remember it with uh, painful clarity. And this fright is not unlike having written five chapters of a novel and then realizing you are lost. What happens in the plot now? Should you introduce this character? Does the motorcycle run over him now or later? Is it time for that? one allowable coincidence? Does she meet her great love here, or maybe a couple chapters later? At times like this, the chapters you've already written seem worthless, and it is a a disheartening suspicion. And at times like this, the end of the novel seems a long way off. A chapter-by-chapter summary written before you begin the novel helps avoid this turmoil. This summary, this outline, doesn't need to be intricate or long. I use one page of summary per scene. And in that summary, I I figure out who appears in each scene, what the setting is, what the dramatic events are, and what additional research I may need. For each scene, it's just a few lines. Sometimes just a few words per item. I, I like, uh, I prefer not making the outline too long because I want most of my composition to be on the manuscript in the novel, not on a preliminary outline. I'm a slow writer, and so the uh, most of the writing I do, I want to have it in the novel. You may discover as you try to outline the later scenes of the novel that the outline will be more sparse. This is natural because you've thought most about the novel's beginning. You'll make the outline more complete as you you write and as you progress, adding scenes and other elements as they come to you while you're writing the earlier scenes. The outline will also give you an appropriate place to jot down notes regarding your new thinking about the plot. The outline will give you a sense of direction as you turn from one chapter to the next. That's how I do it, but really different opinions on this subject exist among writers, and you'll need to choose your own method. Novelist Joe Lansdale doesn't use an outline at all, but rather begins a novel and lets it travel where it may. The same with Elizabeth Berg, who finds an outline too limiting. She says, It just doesn't work for me to try to plot a novel. The few times I've tried, it was as though the book rebelled. It went another way entirely. And then all those notes I'd taken to follow that ever-so-neat sequence of events I'd planned were in vain. And listen to Stephen King. He's convincing. Quote, I distrust plot for two reasons. First, because our lives are largely plotless, even when you add in all our reasonable precautions and careful planning. And second, because I believe plotting and the spontaneity of real creation isn't compatible. It's best that I be as clear about this as I can. I want you to understand that my basic belief about the making of stories is that they pretty much make themselves. The job of the writer is to give them a place to grow, and to, and to transcribe them, of course. He continues, I often have an idea of what the outcome may be, but I have never demanded of a set of characters that they do things my way. On the contrary, I want them to do things their way. That's Stephen King. Ask how much he knows about a work when he begins to write it, William Gass replied, very little. I'm always surprised by my discoveries and I never outline anything. Charles Dickens invented his novels. Charles Dickens invented his novels as he went through them. Half a year before the serialization of Oliver Twist was to end, two versions of the novel were already being produced on the London stage, including the ending, which Dickens hadn't yet written. The novelist wrote to one of the stage managers that, quote, "...nobody can have heard what I meant to do with the different characters inasmuch as I don't quite know myself." And then there are novelists who use a short and, and bare-bones outline. Mark Twain's outline for Tom Sawyer was this in its entirety. 1. Boyhead and Youth. 2. Youth and Early Manhood. 3. The Battle of Life in Many Lands. 4. Age 37 to 40 return and met grown babies and toothless old drivellers, who were the grandees of his boyhood. The adored, unknown, and faded old maid and full of rasping puritanical vinegar piety. That was his entire outline for Tom Sawyer. And then there are novelists who use large outlines. P.G. Woodhouse's outlines were often 30,000 words about a, a third as long as the completed novel. Horror novelist John Saul, his outlines often run to 100 pages, and he describes the process of writing of the novel as, uh, with the outline in front of him as filling in the blanks, which he can do in as little as 30 days. Edgar nominee Robert Irvine drafts a 70-page outline which includes dialogue and descriptions of the main characters and the plot, chapter by chapter. And here's good advice from one of our leading thriller writers, Jeffrey Deaver. He uses a 150-page outline. Quote, I'm a strong advocate of creating a lengthy outline of a novel before writing a single word of the prose. My thrillers take place over a very short time, a few days at most, have multiple interesting subplots and many characters, and have at least two surprise endings, often three. These elements require me to plan ahead. Jeffrey Deaver continues I spend about eight months outlining and researching. The finished outline runs about 150 pages, single spaced, though with very wide right margins, so I'm, I can jot references to the research material relevant to the plot. By the end of the outlining process, Jeffrey Deaver says, I know exactly what happens in every chapter. The arc of all the plots, where all the characters enter and leave, either vertically or horizontally, and where the clues are seeded into that story to make those twist endings work properly so the reader is surprised but not cheated. He says, Outlining is the most efficient way to structure a novel to achieve the greatest emotional impact. John Grisham agrees. He says, the more time I spend on the outline, the easier it is to write the book. He describes the outline as his secret to his literary success. Other novelists use different devices to organize their work. Novelist Shirley Conrad, who wrote the best-selling novel Lace, makes huge wall charts with many ink colors to track her plot and characters. Robert Farino uses post-it notes on a whiteboard. Robert Crace uses a board on which he pins three-by-five cards. He says, "...when the scene ideas are on cards, I can shuffle them around, rearrange them, and see where there are holes." Before you begin your manuscript, you should organize your story in a manner that works best for you. You, you might not know yet what that method is, whether you should use any outline, a, a long outline or no outline. You might try this as a, a test of how you might do it. Use an outline, but make it fairly brief so that most of your time is spent on the manuscript, not on the outline. A page per scene is a, is a good target a good test. Please allow me a moment of self-promotion. My new novel, Fagin and Miss Havisham, is now available at Amazon. It's there for e-readers such as the Kindle and soon it'll be in the print version and an audio version. The publisher is Creative Texts, an independent publisher and a good one. The novel is the story of famous Charles Dickens characters taking place when they were younger than in his novels. So we meet the pickpocket Fagan and the thumper Bill Sykes from Oliver Twist when they were younger, and the crazy Miss Havisham and the unstoppable lawyer Jaggers from Great Expectations when they were younger, and Police Inspector Bucket from Bleak House the evil murdstone from David Copperfield, and many others. I loved Charles Dickens' novels when I was young, and in Fagin and Miss Havisham, I mixed them all together earlier in their lives to see what happens. Please consider getting a copy of my new novel. You'll see the techniques we talk about in these episodes in action, at least the best I can do with them, and it'd be much appreciated. What other documents other than an outline might be useful before and during the writing of a novel? I use, and a lot of writers use, a character list. Every time I introduce a character, I write his or her name on the list. Uh, Of course, it's not a a physical list, it's a, a, a file in my word processing program, Word. If the character is someone I'll use later, I copy down his or her description. Cut and paste from the novel. Uh, This list allows me to avoid using the same name for two characters and avoid using similar descriptions for different characters. It's also handy if you've forgotten who is, say, the second lieutenant on your fictional ship. Orson Scott Card tells of the benefits of a character list. Here's Orson Scott Card. Besides names, You'll make a lot of other decisions about your characters. Some you'll make before the story begins, a lot of facts about the character's past, about things he's going to do in the story, and so on. But you'll make many other decisions as you go along, and it'll help a great deal if, from time to time, you jot down these decisions. card continues, "'I once changed a character's name "'between chapter 5 and chapter 15.' I forgot that I made him an orphan and had him telephone his mother. I changed a minor character's race. I changed other characters' professions. I've changed my hero's hair color, age, height, birthday. It's easy to do when a character isn't the focus of the action or when a lot of pages have intervened. I also keep a used phrases list. These are are phrases, three, four, five words that I've used, so I don't use them again. Describing a river rapids as a foaming tumult is really good, but it's only good once. A black scowl is a nice turn of phrase, but again, only once. A snappy phrase sticks in a writer's mind, and it's easy to use it twice having forgotten the first time you used it. To the reader, this second same snappy phrase is brilliant the first time and lazy the second time. As I write along, every time I come up with a new phrase, say, lips pressed together and bloodless. Isn't that good? I I forget who I stole that from. I bring up the used phrases file in the computer and do a word search, in this instance, for bloodless. The word search quickly tells me if I've used the phrase before. If not, I'll write it into the manuscript and I'll also add it to the used phrase list. A used phrase list looks or sounds like this, Chapter 3, Gleaming Like Evil, Blunt Hands low brows, knobby chin, small ears tight against his head, placatory smile. In the age of global search, you you can look at your entire manuscript in a second. Maybe a list isn't necessary, but I keep one. And I, uh, I catch myself wanting to use a phrase a second time all the time. Another document that I use is is a post-writing outline, a short outline that I, I create, I add to it at the end of every chapter. In the, uh, when you're editing, you'll need to know where to find certain scenes and facts in your novel, and your pre-writing outline won't work for such a thing because you'll undoubtedly have varied your story from your pre-writing outline as the story developed. I keep a post-writing outline in which for every chapter I list characters, important revelations, important actions and other things. The key here for me anyway is to keep it short. Once again, I don't want to I don't want to spend a lot of time on composing that's not actually the novel. Another document that I have found very handy is a calendar. It's a separate list, and I put down every mention of time in the novel so that I don't cross myself up. So I if, if I've written, Tom's mother died two years ago, I'll write that down on this list. Same with something like, the letter demanded the money be mailed within five days, or she was 15 years old in 1985, or they were married three years ago, or the first symptoms appeared three weeks ago. Anything like this, any mention of time, I keep a calendar that so I can find what happened when if I mention a time. And then... The last document uh, that I want to mention is really an important one. I call it the tie-up-later list. This list prevents loose ends. If in Chapter 3 we see the security guard inexplicably passing out at his desk, I'll add that to the tie-up-later list. I'll I'll write something like, Explain why security guard passed out in Chapter 3. I'm, I might have remembered to do this anyway, but maybe not. This list prevents unresolved plot points and foreshadowing that leads nowhere. Uh, a tie-up later list reads something like this. Chapter 3. Explain later while Julia was so nervous opening the letter. Explain later why, why Mark's laugh sounds false to Julia here tell later where the bottle of pills came from. A writer is always manipulating the reader's perceptions because the writer and his or her characters know things the reader should not know until later, and sometimes the reader is told things uh, that one or more characters aren't allowed to know. The tie-up-later list keeps track of explanations that the writer has temporarily and deliberately withheld. Charles Dickens made such a list, calling it General Mems for working the story round, where he listed, quote, the strings he needs to pull together. A, A novel is a circle, all questions, even little ones, that have been raised during... The plot need to be resolved by the end, and a tie-up later list will help do that. Let me emphasize how important tying things up is, and so how important a tie-up later list might be for us. If a writer shows the reader a pistol in a drawer in Chapter 3, that pistol must be explained by the end of the novel. If a writer writes that Jessica looked at Rob longingly in chapter 3, that look needs to be explained, that is, resolved, by the end of the book. Why? Readers have a remarkable memory for clues, and they're always looking for them, and if they see what they think is a clue, they'll remember it. And if that item isn't explained by the end of the novel... The reader will feel cheated. This rule is called Chekhov's gun, and we'll talk about it more on a, a later discussion, our discussion of foreshadowing, you know, in a later podcast. So please remember a tie-up later list. A novel can take a long time to write, and we may have forgotten some things as we progress through the writing. A tie-up later list will save us from cheating the reader. How long should our novel be? The old saying is that it should be exactly as long as needed to tell the story and not one word longer. That doesn't answer the question, though. Tolstoy's War and Peace contains 675,000 words, all in perfect order. We shouldn't write a book that long or anywhere near that long. No publisher would, would admit that He or she would turn down a a new war and peace, but all will tell you they don't want to receive a manuscript that size. Modern novels average from 70,000 to 130,000 words. Any shorter, it's a novella. Any longer, it can't be lifted. Aiming for a certain word length is really helpful because a target length offers a structure. If you've written 20,000 words of a suspense novel, you're probably entering the middle section of the novel and certain things happen in the middle of a suspense novel. If you're at a hundred thousand words, it's time to start heating things up for the finale. A A word count gives you a path toward the novel's last sentence. Colleen Lindsay works at the publicity department for Penguin Group, Penguin Group, and she offers some guidelines. She says uh, middle grade fiction should be from 25 to 40,000 words with the average of 35,000 words. YA fiction for mainstream YA, it should be about 45,000 to 80,000. A romance novel should be 85,000 to 100,000 words. Horror, 80,000 to 100,000 words. Westerns, 80,000 to 100,000 words. Mysteries and thrillers and crime fiction, 90,000 to 100,000 mark. Mainstream commercial fiction and thrillers, 80,000 to 100,000 words. Literary fiction, 100,000 to 120,000 words. These are the industry standards for certain genres, and they are important to pay attention to. A novel that is a lot longer or a lot shorter already has a strike against it. We come to the end of this episode. I hope you'll listen next time. We'll talk about where good ideas for plots and plot points come from. Until then, this is Jim Thayer. Please keep tapping those keys.